You're listening to KOOP Hornsby Austin 91.7 FM and on the web at koop.org. Welcome to Issues for Your Tissues, the definitive discourse on reproductive health and well-being with your host, Katie Vitale. The views and opinions expressed on Issues for Your Tissues may not necessarily reflect those of Co-op, its board of directors, or anyone else anywhere else. The information offered is not a substitute for the advice of a licensed medical professional, which I am not. Thanks for tuning in to Issues for Your Tissues. Welcome back to Issues for Your Tissues. I'm your host, Katie Vitale. I'm excited to be joining. I'm always excited to be joining you when it's Thursday night and I'm here at the station. Uh, you might be lucky enough to be tuned into 91.7 FM in Austin, or you could be tuned in at koop.org streaming over the World Wide Web. It is uh, there for your uh, enjoyment. Uh, you may also be listening in the future in a couple of ways now. There's Issues for Your Tissues podcast that's at iTunes. Uh, you can find that if you go to iTunes and search Issues for Your Tissues. I promise it is the only one. Uh, it is also available, all all the shows, or I guess I shouldn't say all, shows from the past two weeks are available to you also at Radio Free America. Uh, Radio Free America has archives of all of our programming that are available for you to consume uh, at your leisure for two weeks. Uh, so I, I do suggest that you uh, subscribe to the podcast if you have any 
a desire to hear any of this stuff or you aren't able to catch a show, it's always going to be there for you, uh, MP3 on the blog or at iTunes. So I'm, I, enough plugging for right now. I'll tell you more about it later. I wanted to bring on, this has been a tradition for the past few years on the show uh, to host organizers from the V-Day celebration. V-Day, if you guys don't know, but you know, you're all good looking and smart, all you out there listening to this Destination Radio. Uh, V-Day is a celebration um, that's held on Valentine's Day in conjunction with One Billion Rising, and it seeks to reduce or end uh, gender-based violence and that sort of discrimination and assault. But I brought some some wonderful women on here to talk to you more about uh, One One Billion Rising and V-Day 2017 ATX. That's going to be on next Tuesday, of course, Valentine's Day uh, at City Hall, as it has been for the past few years. No, not at City Hall. I'm so I'm so wrong there. <laughs> Okay, where is it going to we're be going held, to be at the ca- We're going to be at the Capitol this year on the south side steps. On the cool side. <laughs> Let me just make sure everybody's on here. Okay, so my bad. That's all right. But it has been at the... You guys needed a bigger venue because this has grown, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, so uh, last year there were so many people out there. Um, I had a good the good chance or good fortune to see the the production go on and there was so much inspirational um, art and dance and music and s- speaking that um, it's really a good time and a very supportive environment. It's always nice to be around like-minded people sharing a common cause like ending gender-based violence. So um, again, this is going to be at the Capitol South Steps, you said? Yes, from 11 to 2. And so that's in, right during uh, lots of people's lunch breaks. So it'd be easy for them to, you know, hopefully it'll be easy for them if they want to participate, come catch a piece of it. Is there a schedule online or any place where they can see some of the stuff that might be available to them? We've been posting on uh, both V-Day and on the event page. And we will be, so you can see all the bi- the bios and pictures of our presenters, our speakers, our performers. Um, and we will be posting the program shortly. Okay, so um, just before I messed up the, the location of the event, I was going to introduce you to my guests today. So we have Christina and Maisha and Lisa here who are organizing V-Day, along with some other women, uh, right? How many people were involved in putting this together this year? Uh, well, it started with the three of us, and we have uh, roped our friends into it and begged and pleaded and, and had a lot of people really just lovingly throw down with us. So I'd say there's probably about six of us that are really, really been in it from the beginning. Wouldn't you say with Caitlin and Casey and Ivy and Daniel and... Well, yeah, we, we've we've definitely had a lot of support. A lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, details aren't my favorite thing. Like talking to my friends and getting people excited, that's that's where my groove is. So having some people in the background with spreadsheets and helping us build websites has been an unbelievable boon. Like I don't, we couldn't have done it without them, I don't think. What and do it's been wonderful, too. The three of us uh, started, I think at the end of summer or the beginning of fall, somewhere in there. And we just started meeting the three of us um, to dream and kind of 
think about, you know, who, who, what do we want to do and how do we want to um, reach out and connect with people. So um, we've been we've been meeting a lot and we've been the three of us. It's been wonderful. Like the connection we've developed to uh, in this process has been be- really beautiful. So I have to ask, uh, and I'll probably, I'm going to ask each of you, how did you get involved in V-Day or even how, <laughs> where, how did you decide that this is what I'm going to do? Is um, Lisa. I guess Lisa has uh, I really like talking to people and getting them excited and engaged. So, but how did you first find out about V-Day to say, this is what I want to talk to people about or get them engaged in? Or what, what was the impetus or the introduction for you? Was it somebody who just came and started talking to you about it? Or did, were you surfing online? Or what happened? Actually, I think um, I was either still a resident at Safe Place, so I got services as a survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault, or I had just moved out, and someone was do, putting on the show and had chosen them as the beneficiary, and they gave free tickets. And so I took my daughters, and we went, and I lied about my daughters' ages because they were being really careful, and I was like, ah, my kids are cool. And my girls love it. Um, one of them's been in it <laughs> with me the first year I organized. No, the first year I was in it, not when I organized. Geneva was in it with us. But that was the, the invitation. I went to watch it, and the next year I went and offered to push boxes I didn't think I would be big enough or good enough to be around the warriors or, you know, oh, just let me help you with labor stuff. And and they really um, don't let you do that. You have to really go in all the way. <laughs> and the next year I was organizing because that's how they get you. <laughs> just a building process, yeah. right? <laughs> like anytime you offer to volunteer somewhere. <laughs> so... Uh, the V-Day celebration, including the Vagina Monologues production that's going to go on next weekend, those are benefiting uh, Safe Place. So V-Day, um, Maisha, we haven't heard from you much. <laughs> Very quiet. Do you want to tell us about um, how V-Day is, the international aspect of it, or how uh, funds raised through V-Day activities are, are distributed? Sure. So for V-Day... Any funds that are raised are going to go back into the local communities, um, whatever agency is dealing with gender-based violence. So um, for us, it'll be um, safe place or safe. Um, So that's how people get involved. And uh, yeah, I've been involved with uh, V-Day for a few years. I spoke at One Brilliant Rising last year. I was in the Vagina Monologues the year before, same year. And uh, had been the last time that One Billion Rising was at the Capitol was the last, uh, that was the first one I'd been to. And it was just amazing to be on the south steps of the Capitol dancing. So how do you, how did you find out? How did you know, like you said, the first one was at the Capitol. Who told you about it? Or how did you find yourself there? I've been working in the field of ending gender-based violence for about five or six years. So it's just been very... I've just been very tapped into it. So it's just a natural progression for you to go out and do it in your in your free time as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what can you can you tell us or are you able to tell us a little bit about your your day your day to day work? Um, I work at our local agency that supports um, people who are experiencing sexual assault, domestic violence, um, and now child abuse. Um, before that, I had worked for 
three years at the National Domestic Violence Hotline, and I volunteered um, at Safe Place for a year prior to that. So just kind of been in there for a while. So Safe Place listeners are probably familiar with it, especially if they're listening in Austin, has been helping women for a number of years, but they're just, like Maisha said, just joined up with the Austin Children's Shelter. Mm -hmm. And is it another organization too? For Is it Safe Alliance? Can you tell us a little bit about the merging? Uh, uh, we're not here about that today. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're it. It's merged, so it's it's just it's just one thing, one yeah. organization now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think trying to help it, help everyone that is affected by violence, which brings me to another point. Um, it's not just women, right? And it's not just single people. It's every gender, every orientation, every religion, and they're an amazing place. I would love to see more like them sprout up around the world and access to people that don't have it, maybe in some surrounding counties. I know um, Hayes County has some shelters in Bastrop County and Williamson County. It, um, there are still a lot of places in Texas that are without services. And, and we're going to the Capitol on the same day that TASA, Texas Association Against Sexual Assault. Mm -hmm. I always get my acronyms wrong, so thanks, y'all. And TCFE, Texas Council. On Family Violence. On Family Violence. I always say against. So on Family Violence. It might be against. We'll be in the house uh, lobbying for VAWA funding, which supports all, um, the shelters around Texas and around the United and, States. Yeah, so just so listeners know, VAWA, V-A-W-A, is the national legislation to protect or to prevent intimate partner violence and family violence, right? Yes, it, it gives a lot of funding to shelters and programs and things like that. So we're at a kind of critical time right now where of um, VAWA funding is threatened to be cut on the federal level and on the state levels. So that's part of, it just worked out really well that that happens to be the lobby day at the Capitol that's the same day that we're doing One Billion Rising. Right, so the community support of organizations and efforts like this is going to be important not just in Austin. Well, it's always important everywhere that it goes on because this is a global event, but especially critical this year given the nature, the volatile nature of the continued funding. Yes, the, um, the number of people who are interested this year is skyrocketed because of our current political climate. Right. I just That's wanted a good to way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, I wanted to remind listeners: you're tuned into issues for your tissues. My guests today, Christina, Maisha, and Lisa, are organizers of uh, the V Day Austin celebration going on Tuesday from 11 to 2 p.m. 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the South Steps of the Capitol, and this is going to be um, a celebration. For women, uh, or by for women, family, um, everybody, it's open to the public so that anyone can go down there if they want to just participate uh, or even just just watch, you know, just spectate mm -hmm. as well. So it's it's a very uh, welcoming and positive place to to share uh, an afternoon, right? There's also a dance. Uh, One Billion Rising has an anthem called "Break the Chain." 
And uh, One Billion Rising is a dance rise movement. So it's about claiming space, um, going into public spaces and claiming space and using your voice. So there is a dance that um, you can find the choreography. It was done by Debbie Allen. And you can find that online if you Google uh, Break the Chain Choreography. And you can learn it and you can do it with us there. We do it several times throughout the event. And it's a really fun dance. It's empowering. Um, And I'm not a dancer. And I've learned it. And I'm so excited. So if I can learn it, I feel like anyone can learn it. Yeah, I, I second that. <laughs> <laughs> and and there is just something really um, beautiful and defiant about dancing during times that can feel really dark right now, especially for women in this country. Yeah, uh, some people might like to work that into their self-care. I'm <laughs> really, we're trying to just remind listeners that, that it doesn't have to be... Uh, stressful and anxiety producing all the time like um that if you if you feel that you need then a, a break then it is a good time to take a break right so what um and i didn't get to ask you christina how you came to be involved with V-Day or how you learned about it to start off with or who introduced you? What's what's your story of how you came across it? Well, I worked, um, I moved here from central New York, Syracuse, New York, and I worked for an agency like Safe Place uh, called Vera House. And so I was an advocate there. And the uh, local community colleges and Syracuse University, they would put on productions of the monologues. And this was prior to One Billion Rising, which didn't start until uh, 2012. And and so um, they would reach out to us because we were often the recipient of the funds, you know, of the, of the proceeds. So they would reach out to us to ask if anyone wanted to be a part of it. So uh, we, would, um, we would go and we would have a table. And then um, every year, a different a staff person would be in it. So I was able to be in it one year. And then I moved here uh, in 2012. And um, after a rocky couple of years kind of getting started, um, Lisa and I work in a similar field. And so we met each other at a conference. She made a beeline for me, and I had turquoise hair at the time. And um, (laughs) she was like, who are you? (laughs) So we started a conversation, and she was like, you know, we started talking about the monologues. And she was like, hey, do you want to be a part of this? And I was like, oh, my God, yes. So um, we we co-organized that year, 2015, uh, with another person. And then... um, Last year took a little little break and just supported more in a periphery, you know, sort of volunteering backstage or, you know, garage sales, whatever's needed. And then uh, last year, Lisa was like, I'm going to the Capitol. And I, she's like, do you want to go with me? And I said, yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> That's I how I like, got roped in as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, for me... Um, My field is trauma, and I'm a survivor of trauma, and I've worked in the field of trauma. I work right now in the mental health field, but for me, trauma is such a, um, you know, uh, an important component that often gets neglected. And so uh, I have always felt strongly drawn to this work in whatever form it takes, whether it's my job or whether it's being a part of V-Day or, you know, supporting people in my community in whatever way I can, uh, knowing what it's like on both sides of that, so... Can I piggyback off of something? Yeah, please that? do. So, you know, there's all of this research that shows that we hold trauma in our body. And for me, I've been thinking about this, um, all of us dancing um, on the Capitol steps is just a way of letting go of some of that trauma because a lot of us are, are traumatized right now. So definitely, I feel like definitely. 
that I feel like that's going to be a huge catharsis for a lot of us. And hopefully that will be the thing that gets us motivated. So we don't feel bogged down by all the things that are coming down are being proposed through the legislature and things along that line. Yeah. I could never suggest what would be good for someone else, but I know the three of us have talked about how organizing this event has been an act of wellness for our mental health of staying grounded when everything else seems to be falling apart. But also the journey with the monologues is kind of like that. When we get women together and we explore the scripts and we start looking at how did we get here? Why don't I like my body? What's going on? Um, We build these amazing bonds together. Before that, I never knew such amazing, powerful women and people who would throw, when you said, hey, I'm going to the Capitol, people go, yes, I want to go too, just instantly of coming together like minds, like you had mentioned before, it's been a piece of my wellness through this. And, and I'm really, I'm so, I'm so grateful for y'all. I just really am. <laughs> this is the part where we all love on each other. <laughs> Mutual admiration society. <laughs> that's, that's usually what happens here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just wanted to remind listeners again, that we're speaking with the organizers of V day Austin. That's going to be Tuesday, Uh, the 14th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the south steps of the Capitol. There will be dancing. There will be speaking. There will be music. There will be all all sorts of uh, activity for you. So if you are at all interested, you can visit their Facebook page. Uh, What's the Facebook page? Or if they just go to the Issues for Your Tissues page, they can find the V-Day link there. It can be either V-Day Austin, and then there's also One Billion Rising Austin 2017. Is our event? I think that's the event page on Facebook. Um, so yeah, there's lots of ways to find us. Um, Lisa in particular is very, very active um, on the social media. <laughs> she is very good at that. Great. I, I was interested in... so. We talked a little bit about your work. You're working in mental health, Christina, and you're doing related work, uh, Maisha. What? And then you guys said that, or Christina had mentioned that Lisa, you work or you attended a conference, so you do similar work. Yeah, I, um, I'm a peer specialist in the mental health field, and so I have combined that work and created programs of survivor peers working with each other. Um, I call it the other arm of the hug. Um, not just clinical and some of the standard things that we think of, but someone walking with you. And so I've modeled a program. And I forgot your question. I just keep saying and. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, just about the, the, the work that you do on a, on a daily basis. It seems that you all are very invested in supporting other women through your um, through your day work and through your... I don't want to just... This isn't extracurricular. This it's is a, a passion. passion. Yeah, it's yeah. a passion. Or a calling. And I would say the people I work with are my favorite people in the whole world. I told somebody recently, too, I said, you know, I'm not going to be hanging out with my coworkers if it gets any worse. <laughs> I am going to go with people that I know are the strongest, that know how to get their needs met, and to make it through the darkness, and, and the resilient people, the, the, my people. Like, I'm a survivor of a lot of trauma. And those are my people. I would go to them. We're the ones who know to get things done. They are the strongest, most creative, most energetic, most patient, looking at the justice system and legal system when we're watching labs get shut down for DNA and forensic testing, um, lines to get into shelter. There's always not enough shelter as there is need. There's always a wait list, it seems. Yeah, yeah. So patience, when we say, why don't you leave, I look at a person who has done amazing things to stay alive And if they didn't have to 
fight this hard to stay alive, how much further could they go? That's what I think about all of womankind on a, on what seems to be a daily basis. If we didn't have to be fighting for basic bodily autonomy and our own self, um, our identities, our, our bodies, then we could be doing so much. We could be curing cancer. We could be on Mars. We could be doing all kinds of things if we didn't have to just maintain or fight tooth and nail to maintain bodily autonomy and integrity. It seems that this is, a, this is something that we really need to put behind us. And so that's why I think that One Billion Rising and the work that you guys are doing on V-Day is so important about making this a visible or more visible um, action in our community or effort in our community. So th- thank you to, to each of you. This is, it means a lot for me that you're able to share some time with listeners so close to the event. So uh, is there an, an email address if people have specific questions? Like, will there be, is food allowed? Can people bring, um, what are some logistical details? Like, could they brown bag it when they come over to the Capitol? Yes, uh, they can bring waters, they can bring food, uh, you know, bring their lunch if they want. Um, if you want to message us, if people want to message us at V-Day Austin, they certainly can, and we'll get back to them. Um, we also have a website, which I can give you that uh, when the show is, sure. is done. Sure, yeah. we can put that I don't up know on, it offhand. <laughs> yeah, we can put it on the Issues for Your Tissues that Facebook would be great. page, and I can link everybody over to that in case they have questions about things that are going on. Um, yeah, we'll have lots of information tables. It doesn't, it looks like it might be cloudy that day. If it's not, sunscreen's always a good idea, self-care. So whatever you need to do to take care of yourself is great. And when I asked them, um, was there anything we couldn't do, they said no drones. I was pretty surprised <laughs> at that because I was asking about information tables. And I was like, I am going to the wrong events. Who's giving out drones? <laughs> I am down for that. But no, um, apparently that's a thing. So no drones at the Capitol. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, no sky shots. <laughs> and we'll be having a lot of different informational tables and booths about different organizations in Austin who are doing some really great work with women that people might not be as familiar with um, before, you know, the political climate that we're in appeared because we started this before that or we started planning this before that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our biggest things was that we wanted as much diversity and as much inclusion as possible. And I don't know if that was just a psychic moment on our point, on our parts, but, um, it feels really, really important to have that piece now. Um, one of every year, one billion rising has a different theme that we're working with and this year it's about um rising against exploitation and rising in solidarity so that's something that's really important um for all of us that we've been thinking about since we first started um and we our started first we be- meeting yeah and we started before one billion rising opened up or had a theme because of the legislative year, and I was so determined to get to the Capitol, we had to apply months in advance and just trust that it would all work out. And, and contact them, like, is it open yet? Is it open yet? Can I go? Can I have it? <laughs> That's important. I know that there, I, I can respect there's a lot of work that goes into permitting a, an event like this. It's not really difficult, but it does take some timing. And Maisha mentioned that we were, we try to be really intentional. And partly it's because, 
in the mental health world, in domestic violence and sexual assault recovery, that affects everyone. It doesn't miss any one population. It's that's one, one, the one thing that doesn't discriminate. That's right. And we have some common grounds. And as diverse as we are, the speakers and the performers that are coming and the lineup we have and each other, our abusers really aren't that different. They're telling the same joke, threatening to bury our body in different languages. And there might be some other barriers with money or different culture aspects. But for the most part, they're still telling us that we are not lovable. We're not good mothers. We're not this. We're not that. Every, all the crazy making that goes in. Well, one of the things that you had said earlier, Lisa, really resonated with me when you talked about um, being just being around other survivors and other women who are interested in ending this the horrible kind of... I don't even know how it's just the gender based and intimate partner partner violence um, that that one of the things that happens in abusive relationships is that isolation where people don't have access to these uh, to other companions or other friends or strong minded females around them or or anybody else and so this this can be uh, this can be like Maisha had said uh, an act of um, an act in solidarity uh, with with folks who are going through that, or if you are going through that and you need some time away and you can get out, then I encourage you to come to the event. So you said that there would be organizations tabling, Maisha. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. which organizations can you share with us that will be there on Tuesday from 11 to 2? The other list? <laughs> uh, YWCA, Black Lives Matter. You know. Yeah, YWCA, Black Lives Matter, Black Sovereign Nation, uh, Mama Sana, Planned Parenthood. Uh huh. Planned Parenthood, P Flag. Well, that's a lot of folks coming together for this. It is. We are also intentional that we didn't ask um, any politicians or any agencies to represent us. That's kind of why I got in front of it earlier too. When we're asking places things about Safe Place, is that this is really about the community. This isn't about any one agency coming to talk about themselves or what they do. And I assume that if your agency is really good, somebody will let your name slip on on the stage. We'll be talking about you instead of you coming and telling us. And this will be survivors and community people telling each other what worked and having their calls to actions that we can listen and learn from them. And I think it's also real. I mean, we're all being so bombarded right now with so much news, really bad news that a lot of times things are getting missed and some um, pretty horrific things are coming down that are going to seriously affect women. And so we want to be able to put a spotlight on that and have people be aware of that. Because if you don't, if you're not aware of it, you can't fight against it. We also asked uh, our speakers to think about a call to action in their, in you know, in their in their speech, so that um, we could know from their community what do they need, what what you know, what actions need to be taken, because you know we can't all know all things, and so communicating with each other and understanding what the needs are is so important, and a lot of times. Uh, assumptions get made. And I think um, it was really important, you know, that we allowed everyone to have a voice to say, what do you need? I think that's really important. Um, And that I'm I'm really struck by Lisa, your ability to, to, to share your story of survival of, of domestic abuse or of trauma and, um, and, 
be working now to help other people to overcome that kind of that kind of abuse or that kind of trauma in their own lives and one of the things that another thing that you said that struck me was uh in talking about um the other arm of the hug the the work that you do with peer survivors so it's mm-hmm. peer counseling um what what can you say or what could you tell listeners about how to how to respectfully um, provide support to somebody if they haven't experienced trauma themselves? How could they be a good supporter of somebody who has? Because I know a lot of people are feeling triggered and traumatized, especially uh, those that have gone through trauma in their own lives since we have somebody who boasts sexual assault in the White House now if he if he isn't an actual sexual assaulter, which... Yeah, we can do the air quotes, yes. alleged. Yes. I'm, the, <laughs> Am I going to get you in trouble with that? No, no, okay. no, no. Not at all. Um, so, because when, when you said, uh, when you brought up the, the tired refrain of, why didn't you just leave? It really, that, it, it seems like people don't, it's really upsetting when, when I hear people saying that to others because they've never clearly you've not been in this situation and you don't know what this person is going through if you can be so callous or if it's so if this is so damaging or potentially damaging to you that you have to put up this this barrier or just like put the blame back onto the person who's being abused and tell them that it's their fault essentially for being there um how how can people be better at supporting those around them that are feeling distress right now so first off don't do that don't blame people right. just right off the bat. Like, don't throw it back at them. Um, maybe open your arms, lower your shoulders, and just listen. We don't have to share all of our opinions. That's one way. Um, and just kind of hold space with someone when we don't know what to do. And just be there for them. Also, the National Domestic Violence Hotlines has uh, paperwork and pamphlets they can send to you of how to hold space. Because we wouldn't want to say, well, you need to leave right now. If they can't, they may then they might feel like they're letting you down or they're embarrassed now or so we might not reach back out to you when we need to if we physically can't leave right now. And I know for myself, my ex said that I would never make it out alive with my kids, and I didn't. He, he stole the kids from school, and I fought for them for another five years. So the threats that they make are real. He said, you won't make it out without your kids, and you'll be homeless, and that's exactly what happened? And now my youngest is in college and doing amazing. And that's the difference with support because I was able to stay in supportive housing and I had access to therapy and strength-based services, trauma-informed, <laughs> intersectional, all the stuff. And so what I would say is to hold space with someone, not to blame them. And let, let's be clear, telling somebody that they should just leave is, is pretty it's much judgment. blaming them. It's a judgment. You know, and, and when we say you should just leave, we also think there are places to go. Right. And also we have to remember that that is when someone is at the most risk. Uh, yeah, when they do killed. try to leave. Yes, definitely. that's their risk goes up exponentially. So to just say to someone you should just leave without any kind of support or safety planning is actually, it could be very harmful to someone. Lethal. Right, right. And the the statistic the statistics are staggering when i just think about it just looking at some of the information compiled by the cdc and the department of justice 
the so. UN, the World Health Organization, all of them are saying that violence against women is at epidemic proportions. Well, and we're watching it play out right now on big screen. We are watching this. We can't just leave. None of us can, can we? Right. And we're watching us being told that we should be chastised, that we need to be quiet, to sit down, don't be persistent. We told you. You should understand by now. It's like macrocosm. Wait, I didn't say that. (laughs) I didn't say what you just heard me say. That's this is what I was married to. Exactly. So it is coming up. And my whole team that uh, works with survivors are survivors. So for us, a lot of times it's very empowering. We feel like it fills the well to come back and hold space with people going through it and coming through shelter now. The heart, that's actually easier than watching what's happening with the people who are there that are supposed to protect on us, turn us. It's like watching all of our abusers win again. Because this is the way it plays out in court. When they say, oh, well, you should press charges, you should go to court, you should this, it's not working. Just like we're, we're rallying at the airport and we're upset about the ban. We're not gaining all of our rights back. We're just coming back a little bit. We're getting smaller every time. And that is learned hopelessness and learned helplessness. That every, Even though you're doing everything right, and we're marching and we're protesting, and I did those things at home. I made sure dinner was on the table, and I made sure the kids were quiet. Like, I did everything right, and it wasn't going to be enough. And so it's definitely playing out for all of us right now. And I would suggest a lot of self-care. As a matter of fact, we're planning self-care right into our One Billion Rising with the dance, with talking about it between speakers, and I'm marrying myself at the end. So I'm going to... um help everybody like call their power back and claim their space because we can get lost in really good relationships too. Um, just having kids is like a whole nother world where you can lose yourself. <laughs> they, they have a lot of needs and their interests and well-being often comes first. So I think that this applies to everyone that we can kind of decide that right here, right now, whether our family has accepted our orientation whether our family accepts our religion, our friends, our neighbors, we can really just decide that we are whole and complete and beautiful and worthy, no matter what our body size or shape is, right here, right now. Then we can always work on what we don't like and come back and do it again next year. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to, you know, um, I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about healing and working on healing and sharing, like, how do we heal? Um, and it's hard to heal when you're, you know, things are still happening. But uh, for me, a significant part of my healing has been activism and advocacy, you know, because when you are violated or abused or any of those things, it's um, you've lost your power, you've lost your autonomy, that sense of hopelessness and helplessness, um, that that's one of the that's a sig- one of the most significant for me, like one of the most significantly damaging things that can come out of that. Um, and so like that move, movement from like, I'm a victim to, hey, I think I'm a survivor to like, oh, and I'm an activist and I'm an advocate and I'm, you know, and um, so every time I do anything like that, I get more and more healing. Every time I speak up, every time I use my voice, every time I make space for someone else to use their voice, mm-hmm. all of those things um, just helps me to continue to transform. And I think um, like Lisa says, you know, like, come on with me, you know, like, let's go do this. It's that sense of like, hey, let's do this together. Let's work. Let's heal 
bundled together too, um, the empowerment piece of V-Day, of the monologues, of, you know, One Billion Rising cannot be understated. Thank you so much for sharing these these stories. I didn't... Um, it, it's always uh, inspiring to hear how people can turn something that had been negative into something that can be, well, if not a positive situation, but make positive things out of it or come out of it, especially for other people. One of the um, one of the things I think is integral to reducing or ending, eventually ending intimate partner violence. Yeah, we'd is, like to end it. That's and, the yes, goal. Is uh, is being vocal and and speaking out and sharing these stories so there's not the stigma and shame that that people like of course I can't tell people how to feel but I don't I don't want you to feel stigma or shame for being a survivor or still feeling like a victim and not a survivor yet or all of the feelings are valid and I think that that's it's really important that um, that we that we make sure that people have access to to a public forum, whether it's issues for your tissues mm-hmm. or dancing on the south steps of the Capitol, that there's an outlet for it and that there are people ready to listen and hold space, like you guys said, that that's crucial to um, reducing the stigma and that is crucial to ending the violence. What are some things that people can do after they attend V-Day? Like you, uh, Christina, you had mentioned they're going to be calls to action from some of the organizations and the speakers that are going to be presenting there. What are some things that people can do um, in addition or instead of that to uh, feel that they're empowering uh, other, other people and themselves even after uh, V-Day? Well, I think right now there's no end to like the ways people can get involved. I mean, I know my Facebook newsfeed is just like loaded. Like I don't, I see very few cute, uh, cute puppies or kittens these days. It's mostly like, here's what you can do. Here's what's happening. Here's what you can do. So it doesn't take much, I think, to um, be able to seek something out in a way that fits for you. And I always think like it's important. Um, you know, having been in the activism world for a little while, um, it's important when you step in to kind of figure out your place in it. You don't have to be able to, you don't have to do all things, right? We're not all meant to do all things and to really figure out what are my strengths? You know, what, um, you know, what am I connected to? And then how do I plug into that? Um, so, you know, like people are already, I mean, postcard parties, right? I keep seeing this popping up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it, it's not just the marches, right? It's some of the smaller actions too. But I mean, we can always all be doing stuff in our own life. And, you know, some of that as simple as um, speaking up, you know, so um, I, you know, how many rape jokes have I heard or how many, right? How many like offhand, you know, jokes about, you know, abuse and, you know, being the person it's uncomfortable, but being the person to say, you know, like, that's not cool. Like, it's not funny. It really isn't funny. And, you know, depending on how comfortable you are, you can do a little explaining or if not even just saying that, because I always think, you know, in a group, there's going to be at least one other person in that group that has been, you know, has experienced some form of some kind of violation, some kind of trauma. So what does that mean for them? And another person who maybe is committing it. And what does that mean if we all stay silent? So, I mean, that's an obvious, you know, that's, you know, something we can do in our everyday lives. Um, And there's, I mean, there's no end. 
then I'll let y'all jump into. Yeah, Maisha, I wanted to ask you about it because you had brought up um, when I mentioned statistics, you were and you had other sources too, and yeah. it's like what one in three women is, right. and a hundred and fifty-eight women at least were killed in Texas in 2015 by an intimate partner. At least. At least. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's people need to be paying attention to this. And, you know, so another thing, too, going back to what you were talking about with the stigma and shame is that that doesn't that didn't come from nowhere. You know, it's um, it's ingrained in our culture. So we have to challenge that when we see it, just like Christina was saying about challenging those jokes. Or if you're a guy and you're with your friends and they're street harassing somebody, like be, be the one that stands up and is like, that's not okay because right. it's not. Um, I think it's really, I, I cannot stress this enough. I think I've just been spending too much time looking at a lot of the Senate and house bills. Um, people really need to be paying attention to that. There's, really frightening, scary things that are trying to get pushed through. And if I know we're tired, we are all tired. I am tired. We're all tired. Um, But we have to stay vigilant because if we don't, it's going to take years to, to just like Lisa was saying about how we just get a little bit of our rights back. Right. We're digging ourselves out of the hole that they just made for us sometimes we take it as a victory and it's like, no, we're just where we were before the hole was there. Or, you know, right. I, that's how I feel with a lot of the, the laws in Texas. As soon as we, we, we got rid of HB two, 75% of it, not the 20 week ban, but that, that victory is only bring, doesn't even bring us to where we were in 2012. And we can't be complacent. And I think, right. you know, uh, for eight years, people were like, hey, I think we're okay. You know, like, I think it's all right. And we, we didn't all feel that way, you know, but I think that there's been for a while a sense of like, you know, other people are taking care of it, or it's not affecting me, or it's not that bad. And um, what we've seen play out is people go, oh, wow, no, this is real, this is happening. And um, a lot of, you know, a lot more people standing up, a lot more people rising, a lot more people getting involved. So that that is really heartening. Um, but like, um, we were at the women's March, uh, and you know, there was a lot of people and it was amazing. And then, yeah. Okay. And then the next day we were at Roe v. Wade and there was maybe a hundred and it's like, Oh, where did everybody go? You know? And so, um, so important that we don't go back to sleep. We have to stay awake And immediately on this. I heard um, blaming around that event. They said, well, they should have planned it differently. Well, the march was impromptu. And as you heard us earlier, it takes some planning to get to Capitol. And that's the 44th anniversary. So that was probably started in August, September also. I was asked to speak at it last fact, summer. Yeah, the woman who organized it is already planning for next year because that's how it works. But people had been asleep for so long thinking it didn't affect them. And even with uh, um, with abortion laws and rights, we all we still look at it like it's like people aren't having bad abortions now. That when you live in the country and there isn't a Planned Parenthood in the city, we have access to some things. Teenagers have never quit throwing themselves downstairs. Teenagers take handfuls of their grandparents' pills. 
Right. What do you do when you can't tell your family and there's nothing but churches around and there's no Planned Parenthood? And you can't even get a judicial bypass. And Texas literally has the highest teen pregnancy rate and the highest maternal death rate. More than any... Th- was and it, and you would and, get back to yes, the highest so. also teen repeat pregnancy rate. So this is uh, 20, 20 per- over 20% of teens who are giving birth in Texas. It's not their first kid. And this is a population of women that should be easy to identify because they're the teens with babies, and yet we're not even able to support them to help them to prevent a second pregnancy as a teen because statistically you're in a really tough spot with two children as a teenager. And what they'd like to see happen is that even if you're having some type of miscarriage, like you're at risk for dying during birth of any type or lasting that long, that you still don't get services. So now they're literally killing us. Like that's medical negligence, which should be illegal. Yes, Texas has the highest maternal death rate, mortality rate, uh, in the industrialized world, yeah, in the developed world, like not in not no, that out of the country, in the in the developed world, Texas right. has the highest, and they can't attribute it. It's not not fair to attribute it to anything else except for I think really the laws that have and the reduced, lack of education that right. Just it's all they, tied in together. It's all the same hand of oppression, actually. Right, <laughs> decimated the infrastructure, the healthcare infrastructure for reproductive health in the state. And after they made those changes, we saw the spike. It was ridiculous. It more than doubled. And it's still going up. Yes. Yeah. And you were going to say something else and um, about when we started, when Lisa had mentioned pregnancy rates and other things, uh, and maybe that was it, but... Yes, that was it. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that um, we, that I got everything out of your head that you had to share. Yeah. I mean, it's that, and that rate is significantly higher for black women by a very large percentage, which I wish I had off the top of my head, but I don't. Um, but it, it is significantly higher. So um, that is one of the reasons why um, one of the tables that we're going to have at the event is Mama Sana, which is an organization that works specifically um, with Black and Latina mothers all through throughout yeah. their pregnancies. They've been on the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're yeah, great. They're, they are great. I worked with... Um, a member, two members at People's Community Clinic, uh, which is um, a primary care facility, which also uh, helps women who are uninsured, well, everybody who's uninsured from birth to geriatrics, uh, prenatal to geriatric services. But I think it's really important that the work that Mama Santa is doing. And then uh, even the work that, that organizations that are doing, they're trying to make sure that people have access to to health care, think that the ACA is, or Obamacare, whichever people want to call it, uh, is really important in maintaining and even building on that is going to be so important going forward uh, because a lot of the maternal mortality is, um, is from other conditions that could have been caught in uh, just a prenatal checkup, uh, that people aren't getting their prenatal care. Over 100,000 babies are born each year in the state with no prenatal care. It's, if we really cared about women, if we mm. really cared about babies, yeah. if they really mm-hmm. cared, then there wouldn't be this happening. Yeah, I, I mean, so I I have a health condition where if I were to get pregnant, it would be very... Um, it would be very high risk um, for my life and the life of the fetus. And 
I've really had to step back and think about what's going on in Texas right now. And that if I were to end up in that situation, how dangerous that would be. And the, the, the state does not care if I live. No, no, I don't think the state does care. It's, it, it's almost like uh, messing with women is Texas's favorite pastime. And not, and you know, not just Texas. I mean, we got things are going on all around the country, but Texas is a. And this is everything's bigger in Texas. And this is where we live, so this is where we're going to stay and hold our ground. Right. Yeah, we're going to stand our ground here. Literally at the steps of the Capitol <laughs> on Tuesday, <laughs> two p.m. at V Day Rising and One Billion Rising, uh, the Austin celebration to end intimate partner violence. Uh, There's also the production of the Vagina Monologues going on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday next week at the Doherty Arts Center. Proceeds from that are also going to uh, Safe Alliance to help help them in all of their work. So these these events are um, accessible. Uh, The V-Day is going to be open to the public. And you can bring your, you can brown bag it. Yeah, you just can, don't bring your drones. Yeah, no drones, but you <laughs> can, it. you can dance, right? You can dance, you can sing along, you can learn the, do the choreography. You can, or not do it, but you can learn it and then perform it with others. So what, what are we missing? I feel like we, we could talk about this stuff all night, but I want to make sure that we cover all the important bases and, what have we left out? Well, I think uh, we've been touching on it, but um, the intersectionality piece. Mm. So, you know, ensuring that because we really, we can't have one of these conversations without having all of these conversations. You know, it's it's not, um, it's not just, right, you know, yes, we want to end gender violence, but what impacts that, you know, and we have to have all of those other conversations too. We have to talk about mental health. We have to talk about, you know, the prison industrial complex. We have to talk about poverty and homelessness. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about institutionalization. We have to talk about racism and xenophobia. We can't just have one part of the conversation, Absolutely. you know, um, it'd be like going to the doctor and being, you know, they're only worried about, you know, my pinky. That's it. You know, like we're going to do a physical on your pinky. That's it. Um, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So we've been all, you know, very intentional uh, about that piece. All of us really trying to hold all of that, um, re- recognizing how important it is in our own lives um, as well as for others. And it's a lot to hold. And it's and those are hard conversations to have. But we don't have a choice about having them anymore. Exactly. Yeah, it is. I think that's important that, that you brought that up because just like we say, reproductive justice is not just about ac- access to abortion. It's about access to good education, uh-huh. yes. born, access to health care before and after the pregnancy, access to housing and uh, all the things that, that you need to safely and healthfully raise a child or have a family. And that, that includes... Uh, and, and or so not to have a family if you don't want one. <laughs> yeah, but this also, they, they all, it's all connected. And I think that there's a lot of awareness growing around that now. And efforts like, like you guys, uh, your efforts to make sure that this is an inclusive and intersectional uh, event uh, are just improving that. People are becoming more aware. So when you're organizing... Um, when you were organizing this event, what 
did you have like some maybe mission or vision or um, other ideas that, that helped you to enforce or to, to stay on this track? Or what do you tell people who are organizing? We wanted more dancing. We wanted to have as much dancing as possible. Um, we, we wanted people who have historically not had, who, who are historically not given the mic, we wanted to give the mic to them. We wanted to hear directly from them. Um, so that was, I think, our biggest, our two main biggest goals. Yeah, and, and when we would get, like, people offer things all the time, so we were really intentional of making sure we understand that violence visits every community, as we stated earlier. So we're not going to just, I'm not going to just say intersectionality. We're going to talk about it. Lesbians get hurt. Gay men get hurt. Transgender persons can get hurt. As a matter of fact, there's more stigma and danger in them leaving. They can get hurt more often. They're not counted the same. I mean, these things matter. More missing, there are more missing black women in America than I can even count. The numbers are astronomical, and it's not even on the news. When an officer shows up to a woman's house because her child was choked out by Fort Worth, and she, her family gets accosted by the police officer, but no one pressed charges for the assault that happened. Like, we have to talk about these things, and so we haven't shied away from asking people that have strong opinions to rise with us because violence visits their community more often than some. And it's ignored and it's visited by more people. So you're not just afraid of your partner. You're afraid of everyone. And so our friends, when the Orlando incident happened, they were hurt. And so we really just made sure that whenever we would start to get distracted or it would be um, harder to have conversations, that we plowed in and tried harder. <laughs> Thank you for all of the work that you're doing and the inspirational and heartwarming things that you're bringing to people next week to celebrate V-Day. Uh, each of you have left listeners with a lot to think about, and I wanted to say thank you for that. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank of course. You. It's going to be great. So one more time, you guys. It's going to be Tuesday, 11 to 2 p.m. at the Capitol, south steps of the Capitol, uh, dancing lots of tables with other organizations where you can find out more about how you can keep this end to intimate partner violence coming. Um, that's what I always say. If you want to come, come with me. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.